again, I want to welcome everyone to the uh, business seminar on how, what initiatives or what initiates a ministry from your business. Lots of you have said you're already in business, and so when you go into business, at what point do you say, something's happening here that Jesus is using within me and within my business in this community to reach out to other people? When do you know that? Well, our panel of experts are going to help you by giving their, what their, uh, share their, sharing their experience, what was their defining moment, and how each moment made their business or their ministry more effective for either the ministry or the business. And so let's start with prayer. Shall we bow our heads? Dear Father in heaven, we can do nothing without you. So we ask as we start this panel discussion that you would be in our hearts and in our minds and in the ears of the listeners so that they will hear you speaking to them, saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. This is my prayer in Jesus' name, amen. amen. The Bible says, if any man would not work, he neither should he eat. And if you have no bees, you have no honey. So if you don't work, you have no money. That's an old adage. Well, our panelists have found that they can work and serve God in ministry, which means give in ministry without a reward, a financial reward or a, um, a substantial temporal reward. But the reward that they have received has been so much more. God has not only blessed their business, but he has blessed their ministry as well. And so we're going to hear from a pa the, the panelists today. Uh, first, to introduce themselves. Then they're going to tell you that defining moment. And then they're going to take a few moments just to give you their personal testimony about what has worked and what has not, how God has effectively led them. And then at the very end, we're going to have questions and answer period so that you get a chance to engage with the panelists. So put your seatbelts on because when God gets involved in something, it's wow factor. So let's go to our first set of panelists, which are who are Gary, Daryl, and Mary Jo Oft. And then uh, the next to them is uh, Gary Bartholomew. Dorsey will be here momentarily, and then Ashley Cobb is on the end. But let's start with. Um, Daryl and Mary Jo, introduce yourself, tell us who you are, what your business name is, and whatever you would like to tell us to introduce yourself to the crowd. Well, uh, thank you for the opportunity. We are Daryl and Mary Jo Oft. We live here in Arizona, and we'd like to welcome you to our sunny, warm state. Uh, we have, I'm a registered nurse, and we have a business in Payson in Globe, Arizona. We have two clinics called Occupational Health. Most of our clients and the services that we provide are to employers. We take care of the health and safety needs of the employees to employers. So most of our clients are employer groups. Um, the nature of our business is occupational health, but within that and what kind of really leads over a little bit into our ministry is just to know that part of our business has to do with working with a group of people, generally as child protective services. People have gotten in child protective services 
uh, that have lost their children. They've been brought up on drug charges. They're trying to get their life back together, and they are really at the bottom of of the barrel and where life is at. And when they come in, they're quite angry because they will have to be uh, in a system that may take them through a year to two years of drug testing that can be anywhere from one to five times a week. And so when they come in to us initially, they're, uh, we see quite angry people. Uh, they, they've lost their kids. They've maybe lost their job, and now they're in the court systems, and they're being required to do something that they really don't like to do. So that really um, started with a philosophy in our business to treat everybody. It doesn't matter if it's someone that has come in from Child Protective Services or if it's the CEO of a business. Everybody gets treated the same, and that is a basic philosophy that we didn't even realize that would move us in a different direction someday. Thank you, Daryl. Mary Jo? Did you want to say your name? I'm Mary Jo Oft. And what is your function in the business? I work together with Daryl. I, I do the bookkeeping and the paperwork, and I do some of the services as well. Amen. And Gary Bartholomew. I'm Gary Bartholomew from Spokane, Washington. I was raised in the water well drilling business, which included installing pump systems. 17 years ago, we quit drilling. <clears throat> Leave that for the young guys. And I uh, presently have a, a water well pump system company. I install pumps, I service them, uh, especially in the hot weather, pumps are working hard. And there's, so when I get a call, it's, uh, Gary, I'm out of water, when can you come? And uh, so uh, I'm, a, I'm a licensed electrician, and so I do uh, electrical and plumbing and pulling pumps out of wells, set them back in. Thank you. And Ashley Cobb, where are you from and what is the name of your business? Uh, I'm Ashley Cobb, Jr. I'm from New York City. Uh, I'm a professional private investigator and licensed in the state of New York. And you, you may say, well, while you're here as a private investigator, what that have to do with witnessing in the workplace? Well, it's a great thing. I've been in business 34 years now. And all I could talk about it, I mean, began to tell my age. But I, I've been, in, been around a long time, and connecting uh, private investigation uh, with a world that we, and I, it's certainly a lot of, it's a lot of <clears throat> witnesses can be done. A lot of people, lives that are coming loose from the scene can be witnessed to in the workplace. The people that I deal with, you know, uh, many of them never have seen a church, and they don't go near a pastor, because it's a strange thing about people, they will act a different way if they uh, said met a pastor than they do mean it is let themselves and tell it like it is. So I may be, or either my colleague may be the only church or pastor that they see. And we find out that it was a great thing. In fact, the Lord told me it was necessary uh, that I establish a uh, ministry, what we call it, Hemby, he is my brother. Hmm. The slogan of it, he is not heavy, but he is my brother. And after we established the ministry as want to say, uh, Denise, uh, the Lord began to let other talents. I didn't know I was a writer, so I wrote a book. I didn't know I was a speaker. Well, my wife always said I speak a lot, probably too much. Then I, I was a seminar uh, presenter. So I, I, all of that, uh, I, I was able to put it together and use it uh, for the God. Thank you, Ashley. Yeah. Now, Gary. Oh, Dorsey, I'm sorry. Please tell us who you are and... Uh, uh, your business name and what your occupation is in that business. 
Uh, my name is Jersey Marquardt. I'm from Frederick, Maryland. My business name is Grantops, International Procurement Specialists, uh, actually. And we import, design, fabricate, and install granite countertops uh, specialized in exotics. And out of that, we have a ministry called Mission Serve International. We'll talk about that. Now, Gary, what was that uh, moment, that defining moment, when you knew that God was calling you for more than just running that business? When did that happen to you? Tell us a little bit about that defining moment. I think the defining moment was a tremendous failure, <laughs> and out of that came my ministry. Amazing. Uh, but the background to that was we chose to help at an orphanage for several years in Central America, in Guatemala to be specific, International Children's Care Orphanage. Did little projects down there each winter for a week or two. We knew the critical need for water. We prayed for that. And uh, <clears throat> uh, six years ago, um, uh, some of our family helped raise $20,000 to have a contractor in the country drill a well. He says, okay, we're done. That took him seven months. Wow. He says, we've got 300 gallons a minute, more water than you'll ever need for this orphanage and school, total population of 700. And so when we went down, we found there was maybe three gallons a minute. It was contaminated surface water. And uh, it was out of that that we said, wow, mm. we grew up in a well drilling family. Yeah. And look at the tremendous need here, the problems because of parasites. Mm. And that's when it started. And uh, oh my, it's grown. I'll tell you more later. I want, yeah, I want you to give some testimonies about yeah. the different experiences of the ministry once you developed it. You bet. And uh, Darcy, when did you know? Uh, it was interesting, Denise. I always had the desire to do something for God that wasn't paid, that was not doing because I was being paid to do that. But it was there in the back burner. One day when I started this new business, I came out of consulting, was tired of traveling the world, and I said I want to settle and start something with my kids that I don't have to travel so much. Um, the major competitor in town laughed at us. He said, you'll never succeed. You're a Sabbath keeper. How are you going to run a business that... Most everything that you do, I mean, weekends are very important for you to meet with your clients. And I took, I was taken by surprise, actually, and I, I said, well, you don't know my partner. And he said, well, if your partner has lots of money to throw away, <laughs> it's your problem. Uh, actually, we went home that night, and we really decided to talk to the partner and make a commitment with God. If God wanted us to do that, we really wanted to make it so special that not in the market that we serve, but also in the markets where we got our goods from, we really created an impact that would honor Amen. God. That was the moment. That's when you knew. Yeah. And Daryl and Mary Jo, when did you know? What, what defined it? For us, it happened about four years ago when we were at a church potluck unexpectedly at a church potluck. We weren't going to church regularly. We happened to have a potluck that day. Our conference president was there. We hadn't known them. 
the only place to sit was next to the conference president, which we wouldn't normally have done, but he engaged us in conversation about our business, asked us what we did, and as we explained what we do and how we feel about treating people that come into our business, um, after the potluck, he asked us to go to Kenya. <laughs> and that was the farthest thing from our mind. But we were, we did work it out to go to Kenya, God worked it out, we ended up doing a Share Him campaign there. And at the end of that campaign, after being there three weeks and seeing God work and using us of all people and learning how to trust God because we had to trust him for everything. We were totally dependent on God because we'd never done anything like this, especially under those kind of circumstances with no electricity and never knowing if the equipment was going to work. And we got to really like that, trusting God. And at the end of the, the three weeks there, when it was time to go home, we decided we never wanted to go home and be the same. Mm. We got down on our knees and we asked God to just bless us and help us when we go back to be different and not just have business as usual. Yeah. And that was the changing, the turning point of our lives. Amen. What a story. Ashley, that defining moment for you as a private investigator, I'm terribly interested in that. Well, uh, about 15, 18 years ago, probably more 18 years ago, I was sitting in the church, and I was doing pretty good financially as a private investigator because I always had work. Uh, the church uh, uh, received a call from one of the pastors in Honduras, so one of the surrounding areas there, saying that he wanted to come to Brooklyn and to raise money to build a school. When it seemed like the church, you know, the church was moving slow, and so I got the word around, tell him if he come, I'll pay his way, and we'll bring him in and help him to raise money. So uh, he did come, and we made friends, and we raised approximately twenty-five or $30,000. When he got to America, he was able to go to the general conference where he picked up a large sum from some of the good brethren, and and back uh, in the neighborhoods. So he went back and he sent me a letter stating that, said, thank you uh, very much, uh, Ashley, for helping us. Because when the brother, brother in Europe heard about us, they uh, sent us two additional million dollars to build a school at, and that school wow. is going now. Now, at that point, the Lord told me, so now you need to move forward. There's much more. Well, I thought I had don't, you know, raise that kind of money. It was big to me. But uh, he, he, he gave me a vision to establish a, a nonprofit organization by the name of Hemby. He's not heavy. He's my brother. And out of that ministry, I was able to blend it in with the private investigator work because I was coming in contact with people who lies was coming apart. Some was headed to prison. Some had prison records. Some were just down and out, and they just gave up. And at that point, uh, I, I remember this very, I won't take long, I was doing a contract in Newark Housing Authority, that's Newark, New Jersey, and the Lord had given me a contract. That contract probably worth $200,000. And I decided, okay, uh, I have the contract, I will go over and take a look, as any businessman would do. As I parked my car on the hill, and I looked down the hill, and it was in the projects there, and they saw a sea of people from all walks of life. And the Spirit spoke to me, are you going to make the money? 
and leave my people? Mm. Or are you going to work for them? At that point, we investigated 200 cases. And out of that, we gave each one of the people that we had a case with, gave them one year of free message magazine. And from there, we began to do, and we began to uh, branch out into the physical challenge youth, little kids. And uh, that gave me the joy. And the Lord says, do more. But I want to say one thing. When you're working for God, Satan will move in and try to cripple you. But that's me, and I'm determined to do God's work. There's nothing better than witnessing the workplace. What that a was my turning what point. What a blessing, Ashley. Yes. Thank you. And you're going to get more time to tap your personal <laughs> testimonies in those vignette situations. Yes. We love hearing those <laughs> testimonies because then that lets us on the inside of knowing the experiential day-by-day um, um, -day operations of your yes. business. Now, I'd like to, and I'll address Dorsey on this one, in, in, in 10 to, to 12, 13 minutes, would you let me know a personal testimony about your business? You can either talk about it. I think you have a PowerPoint that you'd like to do. Show us what you do and how that ministry runs and how your business runs, those kind of things. And I'm going to sit right here. Okay, I think I can visualize from here. Um, that's what my business is all about. <laughs> That's how we started. Um, and Grand Tops couldn't exist without the right arm, which is the ministry Mission Serve International. Uh, we do training. We, we came to work for 56 um, Home Depot's stores in four different states, besides all the other clients. And that put a tremendous stress on us in terms of uh, having one client. Have you heard of that? Don't put all your eggs in the same basket. Mm -hmm. um, that represented 75% uh, of our business early this year. Mm -hmm. And you know how business is. And I stopped one day to question, I said, God, when I learned that the intermediary company between us and the Home Depots filed for bankruptcy and they owed us a lot of money, I said, is that a message telling me that I should stop the other side of our business? Because one business maintains the other, the ministry. And I had a visit from a bank. He came to discuss the loan for our building and all of that. He, and he said, I see in your books here that you, you donate a lot. If the bank requires you to stop giving because things are not good, you will stop, right? And I said, if I were answering you as your client, I would say yes. But I'm not going to answer that because I have a commitment with God. And that arrangement is completely different than just a loan in the bank. And you know, throughout all of that, I'm going to go quick about this. From nature to your kitchen, in reality, is from God's planning and, and, and his tremendous love for us and inspiration and being there when we need that. We decided that why 
why were we here? We, we are not here to make money. We were here to make a difference. And we said, no, we won't stop giving. We won't stop. And we had several plans, trips for this year, mission trips, training, ASI training, everything depended on money. Uh, in March, I confess to you that many nights I went home thinking that I couldn't pay the next salary to my workers. We went from 66 workers to eight. We reduced everything, we, we did everything we could. Bottom line is that we are still there. Amen. Amen. When many of the ones that owe us money are under, <laughs> we're still there. And I know it's because God has a plan for us. And what happened, I just want to give a quick report here for you. I don't know. Yes. What happened this year? I have learned a important lesson that success in life is not measured by the things we acquire and we do. It's by the lives that we touch in this process. What we do and what we one day we will look back at the end of our lives uh, and say, was it worth living for? Amen. And I know it has been for me. <coughs> so... I just want to mention one more thing. Uh, the owner of this huge company, it's a complex of nine companies that just filed for bankruptcy. One day she said to me with tears in her eyes, before they start to have financial problems, she said, Darcy, I wished I could go with you in one of your projects. I wish I had the opportunity in life to have this soft heart. I, she said, I'm tired of signing checks I have never touched anybody's lives. Mm -hmm. And I think this is what all of us here have experienced. And, mm -hmm. and what motivates us is that at the end of the day, we look and we know lives have been changed for, for God's uh, kingdom. Um, we, I'm going to go very quick on this. Um, there's an um, article in a magazine in our city. Um, about one of our mission trips. And that is the beginning of the article where they think, and until today, some people ask me if I have a travel agency, which has nothing to do with what we, we, we work. But because we deal with so many volunteers going overseas with Mission Serve, um, we got this reputation today. Somebody came to my booth and said, how is your travel business going? I say, which travel business? I don't, don't have that business. Oh, no, but aren't you traveling with all these people? I said, oh, that's God's business. Um, so this magazine wrote this article. Uh, they send a, a writer overseas, and the, this lady stayed 12 days with us in one of our volunteer mission trips, and she was in every activity, and she wrote about. The city mayor in our city read it, and he called me to his office. And that's how God works in wonderful ways, opening doors and when, when you're not expecting. Uh, he called and said, Darcy, since you're doing this overseas, can we adopt that city? That's how my ministry start to have impact on our own city, not just trying to give the best product, but also finding means to be in contact with the community and, and, and making some difference up here in the U.S. as well. Uh, so we were invited to run that program. Um, 
if you see, we went from the first event we had, 200 people. The second one, we had 5,000 people coming together. And this year, we had 10,000 people in our third event involving now the diplomatic body of Washington, D.C. I mean, all these ministries and ambassadors. And, you know, what is beautiful is that this all sprouted out of volunteer projects overseas. When we started, we didn't have money to do anything that required money. We started using people's talents and people that wanted to help us. So, um, we had a, our first official visit. People from this government went to our city where Mission Serve has a community center, and there they um, inspected hospital and different places that they could make a difference as well. We not just don't want to send people, we want now to help out, send equipment and whatever we can. Um, dental and medical missions, we have had last year 12, this year we already had three dental missions, and every group that goes is three, four, five hundred people that are being treated. Mm. Um, there are some pictures. Flying Doctors of America have been there with us. We have uh, the England School of Dentistry sent four groups of dentists last year also from, from Europe. So we're having help from, from Europe as well. Um, now, this is beautiful. We didn't stop doing medical work or social work. ASI has been a good supporter of our work overseas. Last year we trained 400 lay people and gave them the DVD uh, package. This year, we just came back two weeks ago, we trained a thousand people. A thousand people, imagine, that are preparing the fields because now we are having one evangelistic series in that region of the country every year in October. So we have today a thousand more young people out training others and helping others and studying the Bible in preparation for the evangelism. So SI has been a great supporter of our ministry overseas. And this is very interesting. Today, we have three pastors arriving from that region. They want to come and thank ASI. And Denise, I want to introduce you to them. Uh, they are the president and the field secretary for the two missions where we have been working. They have now 7,500 young people that are donating one month every year. It started last year. Um, the month of January, everybody takes a break in whatever they do, and they go to unreached places, and they preach. And the, the agreement is that they only leave the city when they have a roof. That's now comes the connection uh, with the One Day Church and other projects that ASI supports, because if we are there to preach and to bring people into the church, we cannot leave them 
behind. We did that one year and a half ago. Uh, we baptized 128 out of a mission project. And three months after, we had lost to other churches. We had only 40 left because they didn't have a building. They didn't have a church. You, I, we learned the hard way that we cannot do that. We have to bring them in and put them under a roof so they feel like a family, that they belong somewhere. So this great desire that we had of, uh, of help out in training now became a challenge because we have to have the churches. Now, I would like to invite you to come to our booth. It's on aisle, at the end of aisle 500. You'll see there are some yellow machines. I don't know if any of you have seen. This is the brick baking machine that is like a Lego toy. And this is our last challenge that we have taken that will help people to uh, build quickly. In 10 days, we can leave a roof behind in walls. Uh, what I would like to say here now is that <coughs> the other day I looked back into our experience and I thought maybe God had a different plan. Maybe God wanted us to slow down, not rush so much, not do 15 jobs a day. We used to have to produce 15 projects a day. We are producing six or seven a week only. We are still surviving. We are still doing the mission work. But with a, difference, with a different approach now that, that God is, is, you know, telling us that something has to be done quicker. And that's where we want to start to produce those machines that are displayed there in our own shop. Amen. So thank you. part of our building will be used for that purpose. And, and I thank God for that. If you have never seen that machine, I would invite everyone to look at that that machine. It it will it will blow your mind. Thank you very much, Darcy. What a wonderful way the Lord has been leading you. And now, Gary, let us um, know some personal testimonies about your successes and your failures. But God was there. The logistics of getting drilling equipment in Guatemala, we had no idea what to do. So we didn't own any drilling equipment anymore. So we made it known in the drilling uh, newsletters in Washington, Idaho, Oregon, Montana. As we live in Washington, pretty soon we started getting calls. I've got a well drill or such and such. <clears throat> what would that do for your project? And on and on and on. Well, uh, we shipped uh, an older style cable tool well drill, not the new fancy rotaries, down to Guatemala, and we drilled at the orphanage and school. We got so much water, uh, that we can't pump it out of there. And, and uh, it dropped the medical bills at the orphanage by 70% in the first year by, by having uh, safe water. Uh, since then, we thought, well, the old rig is here. We might as well run it till it dies. And then we got another rig down there, and now the Lord has worked, and uh, uh, this winter, uh, this is a winter project, January, February, each year, this winter we'll have another one in El Salvador, thanks to a man in Frederick, Maryland, that I, that I had never met before. Anyway, um, we've... We've built a church in a village because so many people were baptized uh, that uh, they really needed a place. Once we drill a well, and that's a two or three week project, uh, 
We have the people's confidence. We're their friend. And you ought to see the excitement when the water starts flowing. They're washing their faces. They're jumping. They're just, they're having the time of their life when clean water comes out of the ground. And so in the two or three weeks that we're there, uh, we just, we really have a good time with them. We uh, show the Jesus film. We uh, may have a dentist that pulls teeth uh, because that's what's needed. A lot of abscessed teeth. We may have a, a a uh, lady from our church it has gone, I think, three different years. She's a midwife and helped the, the mothers. Um, in uh, one village, we built a merry-go-round pump. So when the kids play on that merry-go-round, it pumps water into a little <laughs> reservoir that we built. And so this last winter, we went back. Of course, we were curious, how's that merry-go-round doing? It's doing fine. The kids are delighted with it. The best news is it's the first year in the history of that village they have lost none of their infants. Oh, wow. Uh, because yeah. the little ones are so uh, vulnerable to the parasite problems. Um, we also were blessed uh, with ASI uh, and sharing 600 DVD players through, the, through half of the country of Guatemala. And out of that, uh, we decided we need to hire a couple people year-round down there to encourage those Bible workers and pastors and also to report back to us. So we're getting emails of work that's uh, a whole group that's raised up in a village where there's never been a, an Adventist presence before. There are people being baptized by the hundreds from that. We also do five evangelistic series each year when we're down there drilling. And so it gives some of our people anywhere from age 12 to 80 from our local church experience in, in doing that, and we're seeing the reflex reaction. Now they're wanting to get busy back home and do the same thing back home. Um, so the, the reflex reaction works, I can tell you that. Uh, this church that we built, uh, built it to seat 150 people, and we had a lot of baptisms in that village after we drilled the well. And uh, on dedication Sabbath, there were 400 people there. And there's a tremendous need. I just, I fear sometimes, you know, we see all these glowing reports as we sit in our living rooms and watch uh, uh, the, the TV programs that, boy, people are out there working. The Lord's work's going to get done pretty soon. There is unlimited work to do out there and just no end to it. And uh, so back home, when, when people call and say, Gary, I guess my pump quit. I'm out of water. I go to their job. I'm there with my meters and started to check the system. And I say to them, boy, we can sure be thankful for water, can't we? And you'd be surprised how many conversations come out of that. And of course, I start talking about Guatemala and how fortunate we are, as opposed to a lot of the third world. And uh, several of those people have gone to Guatemala with us yeah. to help on our mm -hmm. projects. Our drillers all come from an article that we were asked to put in a national water well drilling journal, a magazine for well drillers, uh, over two and a half years ago. So monthly we have an article in there, and we have ad, uh, non-Adventist drillers from many, many of the states, from New York to California to British Columbia, uh, Utah, uh, Pennsylvania, Kansas, that come down there, and of course, we now have a shop and apartments uh, that we've built on the campus there. And, and so Sabbath, they go to church with us. I mean, that's walking from here to there on the campus. 
And it's, it's uh, just a powerful experience. We have tremendous opportunity to share with our drillers. I think there, a lot of them are Christians and they wouldn't say it because they have a heart to help people or they would never have called us in the first place to come. So I share things like this in my work at home. And you know, I, I enjoy pump work, but this is what keeps me going, that opportunity to share. And then the conversations we get into and the booklets that I'm able to share. ASI gives me an opportunity to find new things, new literature, et cetera. And of course, the networking that goes on here is just incredible because it, it gives me ideas. This is how I learned in the first place. I learned by example. And I heard people talking about it. I heard people say it could be done. And uh, the Lord's taken this where I never had any idea it would go. It also made a need uh, in, in Guatemala, all these baptisms for more churches. Uh, September, the first container of one-day churches will go to Guatemala. That's Amen. the first of 138 churches that will be built there, uh, thanks to ASI, Maranatha, the McNeilises, all of that. That's, that's ordained by God. These people are meeting out under the trees because they have no home uh, to put a church. And so that's going to that's gonna enforce uh, the work even more. Um, Financial impact on my business. You know, I used to squirm when I'd take a week or two and go to Guatemala. Now I take two months every winter, and I wish I could take more. <laughs> the first year I took two months, I had the largest gross income in the history of my business that year. Amen. The next year I took two months and went to Guatemala. And I always go in January, February. That's winter time when drillers aren't doing much in, in this hemisphere. And uh, that year, my first quarter was the largest quarter, largest first quarter I've ever had. Now, the first quarter, I'm gone two of the three months. So go figure, <laughs> businessmen. If you're looking at dollars only, and I, I've quit looking at that only, but uh, I, I just, like I say, the, the Lord's taken this where I had no idea it would go. And uh, I just, you know, I think of scripture after scripture, the Lord promises, and he'll do more than, right. than we can even ask or think. And praise God, he does. Amen. 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 Thank you, Gary. Daryl, in fact, I learned something, Gary. I did not know there was a Well Drillers magazine. There is. You know, you think you know all the magazines that are out there, but boy, what a way to share. Yeah. Daryl and Mary Jo, tell us a little bit about their testimonies. Well, before we left Kenya, the people there said, you won't forget us, will you? And, you know, we couldn't forget them, but we didn't really know if we'd ever go back there again. It had cost so much, and of course, we were concerned about being away from our business, too. So when we got back home, while we didn't forget about Kenya, we just started doing what we could do at home. And we met with our pastor and our church members, and we decided if we could do evangelism in Kenya, we could do it in our little town, too. Mm -hmm. So we were able, together with our church, to rent a little office space that is next door to our office. And we called it the meeting place, where we now have community meetings there. Every month we have a vegetarian potluck for the, for the community. We did have, we have had series of evangelism meetings there. 
Uh, we do a lot of health outreach programs. It's drawn so many people in from the community. It's been a great blessing to us as well as the community, and we've seen people coming from those programs into our church. Mm -hmm. So that's been, that's been just a great blessing. Our business changed, too, after we got back from Kenya. We started seeing that there was more that we could do with our business as far as reaching out to people. So we started carrying literature, which we hadn't done before. We've been able, between our two offices, offices to give out just thousands of pieces of literature. People are so interested in knowing what we know and what we're so blessed to know. And we have also seen and taken advantage of opportunities to pray with people. Many of the people come in, and now some people even come in and just ask us to pray with them because they, they just sense that we're people that will do that. And we've just seen, seen lives being changed, people getting their children back and getting their lives back on track. One of the um, people that does work for us now first came as a CPS client. So... Um, it's just, it's just been a, a great thing to see. Um, our church is able to hold meetings in our meeting place and in our office. We've been able to use it for that. Um, our business wasn't really doing that well when we first went to Kenya. We had had a, a setback with um, one, of our, one of the parts of our business. So that was a real step in faith for us to even go. But there again, we have found that our business is doing so much better than, it, than we ever dreamed that it would do at this point, even though we've taken, taken off so much to go to Kenya since then. Also, having gone to Kenya and having this ministry, as far as our business goes, we're often able to start up conversations now, just like Gary was sharing, because of our Kenya experience. That initiates conversations here in our local community where we're able to lead it around to a spiritual discussion. So I think I'll let Daryl talk a little more about our Kenya experience, too. You know, I'd like to kind of start out by saying that as, as we talk about what's happened in our life and, and how God has not only changed our lives, but changed lives over in Kenya, this really isn't about Mary Jo and I. It's about how God will take ordinary people, and if you just make a commitment to, the, to him, that you'll do whatever it is that he has for you. He'll take ordinary people, which we certainly are, and he will turn your life upside down and and use you to do things that you can't even begin to imagine. I know, uh, you know, it was just four years ago that we had our, our first mission trip. We had no idea that we would go as ministry, uh, as missionaries. I didn't even know what ASI was four years ago. And I think what, what has happened when we came back from that time and we said, Lord, we don't want to go back and be the same, we came back and started putting together some pictures and little presentations, and we would go to... Uh, different churches and um, civic organizations, rotary clubs, and we would share our experiences. And out of that, people would get interested and they wanted to be involved. And so we'd start getting people to write a little check. Here's $10, here's $30, here's $100. Well, how can we help? And as we did that, we started realizing that we needed to put together a nonprofit organization, something that had a structure to it so that uh, people would feel that there would be accountability um, we didn't really know it at that time that God had incredible things lined up over the next few years. And had we known that, we probably or possibly would have been uh, much less likely to uh, move forward in the way that we did. But 
In a three-year period of time, we, we have changed our lives to where our business supports our ministry. We currently are taking care of 135 children on a daily basis over in Kenya that have been left orphans uh, due to AIDS. They have, uh, when we say they're orphans, they don't have uh, an orphanage to live in. They just exist on their own. So uh, we provide meals for them. We provide basic medical care for them, uniforms. Uh, my son and I just got back two weeks ago from putting in a uh, well for them because everything there evolves around water. There's an incredible drought there at this time. What I would like to say uh, as business owners, to you as business owners, is that God will take the skills that you have, the leadership skills that you have, the, the desire to, to be independent and go out and do something and make a difference. That's why all of you have been individual business owners, or most of you have been individual business owners. And he will take that, that skill that you have and, and whatever is inside of you, that drive, and if you commit that over to him, he will turn your business into a ministry. And I, would, I guess I'd like to just end by saying don't be afraid of that. If, if God is starting to just uh, just kind of tweak your mind that, you know, there's something I should be doing. Just say, hey, God, I'll go wherever you open the door because he won't let you down. And I can guarantee you, you cannot outspend God. And so no matter how much you think that you can't do because your business really won't let you, if you just put it all out there, you cannot outspend God. And he will, he will certainly take care of of all of your needs. I'd invite you to stop by our booth. We are in the 800 row up toward the front. And um, most of all, just ask God what it is that he would have you to do and go forward. Take that step. Step out of your comfort zone. It truly is about getting out of your comfort zone and God will put you in his comfort zone and he will change your life and he will change lives around you. Amen. Thank you, Amen. Dale and Mary Jo. Now, to get the booth, to just do a little bit of housekeeping, and then I'm going to go to Ashley. What booth number exactly are you? We are 804. 804. Mm -hmm. Booth number 804. And, Gary, do you have a booth? 806. 806. <laughs> We're neighbors. And, Darcy, do you have a booth? I, I have two booths, but I don't have a number. It says the Your booth is at the end of 500. Yes. Okay. And, Ashley, do you have a booth? No, I don't. You know Booth. Okay. And I also want to let you know that this is being recorded by Audioverse, and it will be available at www.audioverse.org for free. And if you wanted to get the CD there at Booth number, you'll see the Audioverse booth. You'll see the audio sales booth, Audioverse sales booth. So I want to just let you know that in case you want more information because we're getting some good information here. Now, Ashley, give us a few testimonies. I'm very curious how a private investigator who's investigating me could share Christ with me while he's investigating me. Help, help with that and uh, give okay. us some of your testimonies about somebody who you actually did that with. <laughs> I'm curious. <laughs> I would like to pick it back on the last speaker that you can't beat God spending. Uh, that is a fact. And, and what burns my heart is I have a uh, special 
uh, especially an editor, Ellen White, when she says the work will be finished when the layman's and the minister join hands and finish it off. We're living in the last days, and I ask myself, what can I do? What can I do to work along with the church? Uh, although I'm the Adventist, but my outreach ministry is part of the business. What can I do to join hand with the layman's, uh, join hand with the ministry and help finish off the work? Now, you asked the question, what would a private investigator do? Because it always looked like he's investigating someone, always peeping behind or spying on someone. But uh, as the last speaker said, whatever, whatever your talent is, God can take that talent and use it more than you yourself as a, uh, can imagine. Uh, in the investigative world, I deal with, uh, I used to deal with criminal work. The whole I got, I began to, you know, kind of size down to insurance, uh, workers' compensation claims. And, and out of all those investigations, you will find that there are people who know nothing about God. Mm. You'll find people who are just good people, but they just don't know the way. They, they, they probably wouldn't be in the condition they are, that they are in, if they knew God. Uh, we pass through, many of us, and uh, sell our service to these people. And many of us never ask them, What's going on in your life? Yes. Even you can see it on their face. And I just feel that God uh, wants us to do this because we are our brother's keeper. We are our brother's keeper. And I relate this down, Denise, to one, one uh, uh, case I had. Uh, that was some years ago. There was a young Caucasian, uh, young woman rather, that had left Pennsylvania. And her mother hadn't seen her in years. She'd gotten in, lost in a big city like New York City. You don't need to get lost in New York City. But the question is that the mother didn't know whether she was living or dead. So one day while I was sitting at my office, I received a call from uh, a private investigator in uh, part of Pennsylvania. I can't think of the name, York, Pennsylvania. He says, I have a client whose daughter had been missing for years, maybe seven, eight, maybe ten years. She don't know whether she's living or not. I was just wondering if you could help me out and find her. Well, I told him I would do what I could. Send me, I told him, send me all the information that you have on her. But before I conduct any investigation, I talk to God about it. You, you, you never can be greater than God. Whatever your trade or your profession is, God is an expert in it, as long as it's the right trade. Okay. <laughs> so I talked to him, and two or three days I received a package given her. The only thing he had, he sent me a picture. She was a girl about 17 years old, and he gave me, I think, the dates of birth, maybe a social security number. At that time, we didn't have computers. 
Now, we had to do what you call the old-time foot investigation. So what I did, I called another investigator. I said, well, you kind of run her name uh, through the system. Maybe we can pick something up on her. And about a few hours later, he said, Ashley, I may have some, something for you. Uh, she said, well, I got a hit here that this young person who you're looking for may live in the Bronx at 225th Street. That's Bronx, New York. And I wrote it down, and that day I drove up, and when I got there, this large building, all the people uh, standing around. See, in New York City, you just don't go walking around like you're snooping on people. That is not healthy, especially in those days. So what I did, I uh, went to the building, I looked around, and I was careful about asking any question about it because I didn't want anyone to identify me. I was just ordinary with a pseudo. So I didn't see anybody, so I returned home, and the next day I went up, and I checked the bells, and I talked to the superintendent of the building. He said, well, yeah, a, a young lady lives in a department, an apartment in the rear, and she may be the person we're looking for. Then I went in, and I identified myself. I didn't identify myself, but we do, you know, do the pretext. And I found out that she was the one I was so happy. And I never let her know our mother was looking for her. So I said, okay, I'll contact you later. She thought I was working on the insurance claim, but she did have the insurance claim, but I wasn't working on that one. I was looking for her, and when the thing about it, when I, when I got ready, I thought I had made a fine escape, and as I was halfway out the door, this six-foot tall man with his coat, I could see his gun. Hey, what are you doing in my house? I said, well, I was just checking on... Uh, person there, you know, and he said, I don't like men coming to my house. So I didn't know whether he was a gangster or either a police officer. And he didn't know it. And I'd find some way to get out of it. And I went back to Brooklyn. I called him up. I called my, uh, the private investigator. And I said, I think we found her. So would you come over? And the next two days they came over and they wasn't home. So we stood outside about a half an hour. And, and soon they drove up. The same guy asked me what I was doing there. I was in the car and he looked direct at me. And she was in and he had his wife there. Uh, the girl that had lost had gotten married and had a little child. That was one of the most uh, reunion. Even I don't cry that much, but I cried that day. And mm. a, a reunion like that. In that point, they recognized that you can, you, you, you can witness for God because it was God who helped us to locate her. The mother uh, joined in. She hugged her daughter because she and mother had, hadn't seen her in the years. And he says that's many others. I, I don't have the time to tell them. I'll tell you about it. There have been some dangerous cases as well. We have had cases that people, let's kill each other. And that while I'm in the jailhouse, I'm writing, writing a statement up. And I told a young man, I'm sorry I'm taking up your time. He said, that's okay, I have nowhere to go. And then we get a chance to witness to them, talk to God about them, tell them they are looking for someone. And you'll be surprised, as one of the speakers said, that your business may not be that good, but all the time that you take up the witness for God, God multiply. God multiply. And I found the one that, where we do work for a, a, a gentleman now, he has a nice secretary. She's a Caucasian lady. And sometimes the devil will say, 
And why should you try to reach across and cross over and witness to someone? But I did it anyway. Surprise, I talked about, we always talk about ESI. If, if, if you want to be good witness in the workplace, you must be a member of ESI. You, you have to do that. You, you cannot be a, a good witness in the workplace unless you're a member of ASI and come to all of these, these meetings. So what I did, she, she was about 40 years old, and I sat there, we would talk every day what kind of flicks we, and we would come in contact with the rich, and we come in contact with the poor. Sometimes the rich is nice, sometimes the, the poor is not nice. And we have come, up, come through with people, gangsters, and we know who they are. But God leads us through. Right. And I was talking to her one day, and I says. I would like to put you on my list. I said, I have an outreach ministry. I had to take it slowly. You just don't go on people and say, well, you know, I'm an Adventist. I don't even mention that. I'm a Christian. And I want to sign you up. And so you get it one year free. So I got the magazine that she liked. And so uh, two weeks ago, she said, by the way, actually, I got the magazine. I received the magazine. I love the story of the writer. It was a particular, so you don't have to worry. I said, yes. I said, now, I did ask you, could I put a 3A bin disc in your house? She said, that's fine, but my husband is not ready for that yet. I'll keep on reading. So out of that, what we did, we are nicely witness to this. We decided that my wife and I would give all the family members, all our relatives, all the friends, get, a, get them a free copy of the message magazine or Signs of Time or whatever ratio, or we give it that. You, we'll be able to reach you, and so we are doing that now. We hope in a few years, in a little while, we have 500 message magazine or whatever magazine to give out. Amen. Thank you, Ashley. Put Thank that you. In. Thank you okay. for that. And I, I, I have heard from each of these diverse speakers one theme, and that is that it is God that is giving you the opportunities, and you have to be open in your business to hear him call and to see him open doors and act on your behalf. Now, I ask you, we have a panel of experts here who have seen the Lord lead in their business, so much so that they felt compelled, passionate to begin this ministry. Do you have any questions for this panel to help you in whatever business you happen to be in to make that scenario happen, to see that scenario more clearly? Any questions we'd like, you'd like to ask the panel? The question is, well, he's asking a question to the panel. Okay. This man does painting. You're in painting business. And his question is, how do you know, how do you get the transition in the conversation around to making, to, to asking someone about the Lord or inquiring about what their need is in the 
may I, may I answer? Let me just restate the question. Okay. Is, and that's that how do you how do you actually answer the question without turning them off about God? Is that what that, did I hear that correctly? He says that's transition then he said you're kind of leading them to that without them without turning them off. Yeah. Okay, may I answer that? Uh, in my line of business and uh, I, I take the example of Jesus. Jesus could talk to anybody. You come to people of their own grounds, own level. If you're a farmer, talk about farmer. If you're a caliban, you talk about that. If you're a computer major, talk about that. And if you are able to talk with people on a common ground, they'll begin to give themselves. And as you do that, they're going to show some sign that they got problems. And whatever it is, try to be the one help correct the problem, either fix the problems. Uh, one thing, you, you can't just tell pe people about God and they have a need of something. If you help people with the problems, they're willing to listen to you. And you can do it by coming on common ground. That's a perfect example of how Jesus was able to deal with people after people by meeting them on their own level. Yeah. I just want to call, I remember uh, some years ago, I was in an all Caucasian neighborhood and that can happen being a man of color. And I could tell that this woman did not want to be bothered. Now I was doing a, a activity check and she was standing on the, out there watering the flower and I began to ask the question. And I said, where are you from? She said, from Italy. I said, I was just in Italy a few weeks ago. You'd be surprised just seeing that. And we was able to communicate. We spent about 15 minutes doing it, coming on the ground, telling about our own country. Oh, it was lovely there. And I did enjoy it. We were able to break down the barriers there. And I think that anyone, regardless of what color, where you're from, if you meet people on their level, they will be friendly. They'll talk. Any more questions? Yes. I'd just like to add that, that I think that, at least in our experience, we found that when we ask God to, sh every day, lead us to whoever you want to lead us to. Help Amen. us to be open to hear stuff that we might not hear. People are hurting. People are hurting everywhere. Yes. It doesn't have to just be in Kenya or, or New York City. Yes. Just being a good listener, you will start picking up, even if you're not a good listener, but if you, if you pray to God, you will start picking up a clue mm -hmm. that someone's got a problem. And if you start just picking up just a little tidbit, it opens a door for you to maybe, without crying, but for you to find out a little bit more about what's going on. And, and if people are hurting, generally, people like to, if they find out that someone is truly interested, not like, oh, how are you today? Great. No, <laughs> how are you today? No, how are you today? What, you know, if you're in someone's house, you're probably in there for a few days, and, and maybe it opens an opportunity just one time. And, and you hear God saying, okay, this, this is an opening. And so maybe just taking that and listening to it. And one thing that it was always out of my comfort zone. But what I have found that when there's a little bit of an opening and someone talks about it, I just say, as I'm getting ready to leave, would you be offended if I just pray with you about that? And I've never had anyone say, no, you know, I really don't want you to pray. Usually it's, would you? Yeah. And man, it can be just a little short prayer and just say, God, whatever's going on with these people, I just ask that you'll bring peace to them and, and wisdom or whatever it is that's needed to be. 
And that might just be the thing that the next day when you come back in will open up. Hey, how are you doing today? You know what? I felt good last night. And, and it just might open a dialogue. It won't ever, I don't think it'll ever happen just, you know, in a two-minute span where everything <laughs> changes. But it's just that start, just that little wedge. Yes. Anyone else that would like to address that question? Darcy, Gary? I might want to add just a tiny thing here. Uh, asking God to give us an opportunity to witness is very important. Uh, many times we have this desire to do something, but then we are shy or we are not ready for. But asking God, please help me. Give me an opportunity today. The other day, I'm saying this because the other day, a worker of mine, that I never took the time to listen. We listen very little. True. We're always rushing. We ask, how are you? But we are not there to listen to the answer. It's just a hallway. Hi. And she came to the kitchen in the office, and she held my hand. And she said, I hope you are not sad with me. And I said, why? You know, the momentum was right there. And, and, and I, I said, something's bothering you. Tell me. So we talked. And I had to go. I really had to go do something. But at that moment, I had to stay because she had a need and she opened up. And she talked and talked and talked about her church and about all the problems. And she went on and on. There is nothing I could say in, in that moment to fix anything other than, would you like for me to pray with you? Yes. And, and deliver all the problems to God. It's... It's there. We, we, with love, with attention, with listening, we will be able to find opportunities to, to, to witness for, for him. Any additions? <clears throat> One of the things um, I want to just add to the panelists, and that is that you never have to say, worry about knowing it all, knowing the 20 eight, nine fundamental beliefs, knowing the Bible. Mm -hmm. You never have to worry about that because if the Holy Spirit brought that person, drew that person to you, God will give you the right words to say. Even if you fumble, he can use that. But it has to come out. God has not just made us Seventh-day Adventist Christians to keep it. I am a Christian, I'm going to be saved. The reason he gave you a business or ministry or outreach, anything, is for you to share him. And so I want to encourage everyone that is here to go and ask the Lord for an opportunity, as, as Daryl said. Ask him for an opportunity to share, because that's why God has entrusted you with an opportunity to have people coming through you, past you, in your business. So feel free to understand that opportunity and go for it. I'd like us to stand for prayer. And I would like um, to ask Daryl if he would uh, do the closing prayer, a commissioning prayer of consecration in the microphone. You'll need it. Lord God, we thank you so much for the things that we've heard and the way that you work in our lives. Lord, I just ask right now that you will send your Holy Spirit down and touch us in our minds and our hearts. 
just what it is that you would have us to do. It may be something very different than what direction we think we're headed. But all it takes is the commitment that we want to give our life to you, that we want to be led by you, and we will be led by you. And you've promised that you'll take care of us. You'll take us by the hand. You'll lead us slowly at first. It's nothing that's going to be overwhelming. It's just one step at a time. And as, as we, we gain this trust in you, this incredible trust that you'll take care of everything as long as you're leading us, you just keep giving more, and you give us more. You give us more energy. You give us more wisdom on how to deal with things that confound us. You help our businesses, and we don't understand that. But you somehow reward us more than we could even begin to imagine. And it's just all about trusting in you, Lord, getting out of that comfort zone, getting out of, getting out of the way so that you can work. Because it's not about us. It's about how you will shine in us and how others will see something that is in us that can't be explained. And they'll be wanting to ask you, what is going on with you? And that's the door. That's the little window of opportunity we can say what, what this incredible person has done for us. Lord, I just ask right now that everyone that has been here in this meeting, they're here because they want to know how to take it from the business to the ministry and that you will work on them tonight, just work on their minds and their hearts, and give them that peace that it's okay. Just step out of that comfort zone and know that Jesus will take care of all of us. We thank you for the opportunities you have given us each and every day because there's always someone in front of us that needs to know about Jesus. Lord, we don't know when we'll see each other again, but soon, soon we'll all be in heaven and there will be people that'll be there that will say, because of your example, because of Jesus shining through you, I'm here today. And what an incredible payback that will be for us. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.